Stonecutters Podcast, Aaron Hankins. Will Catlett. In the building. What's up, brother? We in the building, man. What's going on? We back at it. We back at it. How's your How's your week been, bro? Give us an update. What's new? Uh, well, you know, I'm, I'm, we talked about last time we was on the Stonecutters podcast, we talked about habits. So I've been really working on trying to get to that divine hour of uh, 5 a.m. So I hit it on Monday. You know, I got up at 4.30, you know, got my little meditation session in, you know, got my prayer going. It was beautiful. Come Tuesday, I got up, I looked at the clock and said, it's time to spend with God like you told me to name the alarm. Yeah. And I laid back down. <laughs> <laughs> you say, God, I'll, I'll meet you in the, in my dream. <laughs> I said, Lord, I'll meet you in the dream. You know, but what's key for me in that is that I got to go to bed. I can't go to bed at like 1230, 1 o'clock. That's what makes it difficult to get up at that time. Oh, yeah. Definitely. You know, that's what makes it difficult. But I'm seeing, I'm whipping my body into shape. So that's where I'm at right now. I figured out that, you know, right now, since I'm not on the show, I'm not in the movie, I'm in this meantime, you know, um, getting ready to go to another job. Don't know what that job is. You know, I'm in this meantime. So I'm trying to get these habits that you, that you uh, spoke about getting up, getting in the gym, getting my body together, you know, get my mind sharper, thinking better. So I'm trying to do things differently than I was doing last February. Cause last February I was in a different headspace, you know, like at that time, the show love is had got canceled and I was cool and to my homegirl, she went off, you know, hit a home run straight out the park, hit NBC, you know, it was like, oh, man, you know, yeah. I didn't even think about it. It, was, it wasn't even like a comparison. It was just as I'm finding out that she got the job as I'm getting ready to go into an audition. And I'm like, oh, I'm happy for her. But then that extra pressure I put on myself, then the audition didn't go well, you know. And so I was that whole pilot season, I was fighting to get myself into a headspace where I was confident, you know? Yeah. So this February uh, came up, I'm in a great space, you know? I'm like, okay, I'm here, I'm training. I've been here before, you know, this is Jordan going against the Pistons, you know what I'm saying? I'm gonna win this battle, you know? Cause the real battle to me really, and is, uh, it's in the mind, you know? It's like, you have to find a, safe space in your mind, a peaceful place in your mind at all times, no matter if you up or if you down. And that's why I've really been trying to pinpoint and focus on. Wow. 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 That's a big update. <laughs> that was a big update. You know, it just rolled off like that, you know? Yeah. So you talked about like in the meantime, so Explain a little bit more about like what in the meantime is for for people that might not be actors, they might not be writers, directors, things of that nature, but people that are just in between things. Like explain a little bit. Well, the meantime is like between your highs and your lows, or your victories and your learning experiences. You know, someone may be working a nine to five, but they really want to be a producer, or they really want to make art. You know, and so there's a lot of meantime in their mind and in that physical time 
of trying to pivot to the thing that you really want to do. But in life, you have more mean time than you have victories and, and learning lessons. So how do you manage in the meantime? In that meantime, it's like it can be the best place to be because it's like a space where you can create and you can speak things into existence. Or it could be a space of what am I going to do? How am I going to make it? And it could be a space of anxiety and depression. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So it depends on the attitude and the joy or the lack of that you have in this meantime space. I kind of always look at it as it's like when, 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 when the guy was like, let there be light, but there was darkness over the face of the deep. That was meantime. It was nothing there. It was just darkness. Wasn't good or bad. It was just darkness. And sometimes that meantime for people is just they don't know which way to go. You know, I want to do this, but how do I get there? You know, I want to get to the next level, but what does that look like? You know, I know I'm supposed to be here. I know I'm built for this, but, you know, I haven't seen anybody in my family get there before. Okay, so what are you doing in that meantime? What are you speaking, so to speak? Okay, so it's like if you want to do something and nobody else in your family's ever done it, how do you start if you want to change jobs? How do you start? This is something that like we've we've talked about on the Stonecutters podcast a little bit in different chunks in different ways. Like we talked about building plans or developing masterminds or developing new habits or finding different ways to do things that you've already done to sort of enhance your skills, rereading things, rereading books, rereading notes. But like what you're talking about is sort of like the day-to-day drudgery of not not necessarily drudgery, but the just day-to-day chipping away where you, you don't really, you don't really know what's, what's next. You're like yourself. You're just, you, you need to get ready for something, but you don't really know exactly what it is. So then. Right. It's like a person going into the octagon, right? Mm-hmm. You know, we, you, you, you got the fight date, right? Okay. So like John Jones just fought, right? Yeah. He just fought Reyes, controversial fight, right? You know, uh, a lot of people thought John Jones won. A lot of people thought John Jones lost. You know what I'm saying? You know, me, you got to beat the champ convincingly. You can't just, to beat the champ. you know, you got to beat the champ. You know, you got to knock the champ out. You you know, you don't get the belt if you just, oh, you look decision. good that day. And he, no, not on, on a decision. decision. Yeah. Right. Right. But you have John Jones is in the meantime, before the date, the date is set. Now he's training. He's trying to figure it out. He's studying the guy or lack thereof. You know, how do you balance in that? That's why I think people get lost, you know, or they give up on their dreams because they don't know how to navigate that space. Okay. And you're very good at, one thing when I talk to you, you say I'm very confident of showing people how to get there. Mm-hmm. You know, so hypothetically speaking, if we have a character named John and John, you know, wants to go into aerospace engineering, you know, but he's working at McDonald's. How does John get there? I just thought about this and something that came to my mind something called a SWOT analysis, and that's S-W-O-T analysis. And, and what that stands for is strengths, 
weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. And uh, I learned about it in the business world, but it can be developed for people or goals or whatever you sort of whatever you aspire to be. So for John, who's trying to get into aerospace engineering from working in fast food at McDonald's, developing a SWOT analysis. So what are John's strengths? What are the things that he does well? What are the things that he enjoys doing that bring him happiness, weaknesses, the things that he's not so good at, the bad habits, the things that he could do better himself. So the SWOT analysis it involves a lot of self-reflection. The SWO is going to be opportunities. So there's opportunities that are outside of John, the network that he has, the access to education, whether it's a public library or things online. He has a computer. That's an opportunity for him. And then threats are things that are also external. So the people that he works with, whether they're bad people or people that are going to negatively affect him. The environment that he lives in, whether it's a good one, a nourishing one that's going to encourage him to go chase his goals and chase his dreams. So by developing a SWOT analysis, you sort of figure out what you're good at with your strengths, your weaknesses, you figure out what you can improve upon, your opportunities. Those are the things that you want to focus on. So things that, that are opportunities, they they tend to they tend to go with things that are your strengths. So let's just say, for example, John wanted to get into aerospace engineering. He worked in fast food. He was always good with numbers, and he was always good with problem solving, whether it was they were had to figure out how to move things around in, in, the, in the fast food place, or he just figure out an easier, more efficient way to do things. Like, those are strengths, but as an opportunity, he know somebody who might be an engineer or he has access to a computer so that he can look things up and he can f sort of do some research and figure out that if engineering is a right place for him or not. So does that make sense? Yeah, that makes perfect sense. You know what's catching me? That's why I love, man. This is Stone Cutter's podcast. <laughs> this is what I love about talking to you because it gives me, you know, answers to my questions and I'm thinking about this meantime you know because I don't have it all figured out but I got it figured out you know what I mean it's like in my I know inside of my know but I don't know in my conscious mind yet but I think that our viewers and myself you can't look at the meantime as a negative space but the meantime is prime real estate and it's formless you just got to speak to it to give it shape and form. Like off, off, offline, we were talking about you've been making things, right? Yeah. You know, you've been creating things, you know, so what you're creating with your hands, you know, it's formless. You're giving things shape, you know, so instead of worrying about so much of how to get there, it's almost like putting the habits in place. You give things shape, you know, getting up early, you giving things shape. The way you think, you're giving it shape. So you're almost forming the steps to your next level by forming the formless thing. Does that make sense? Absolutely. I think that um, along with that, if I look back on my journey, there were definitely things that I had to learn and become good at 
and it wasn't uh it was it was more of just a byproduct of the kind of person that I envisioned myself to be so coming from being an engineer and wanting to work at Nike and having this idea or this vision of what it would be like to work at Nike and working on the kind of like fun collaborative teams and things of that nature and then I I had to take a a deep look at myself and sort of figure out like what are my weaknesses and what are some of the things that I can be better at so in terms of like being a more generous person and giving gifts and um just being a more likable person at work and it was one of those mm-hmm. things that that I had to work on it every day and I still work on it now and the perception might be that I'm a that I'm a that I'm a fun loving easygoing person but I think sometimes in work scenarios I have to really dial it back a little bit and not be as serious as I want to be because I'm bringing a lot of that aerospace you know life and death energy with me but it's like as I started to plan to move to a different industry and things like that I had to really work on the 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 people side of things and and then it's like once I got once I get to Nike and I'm there and then I'm I'm sort of like people want to be around me and I'm a fun easygoing guy and everything like that it's almost like I shed that 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 old shell or that that old person personality and persona that I had uh from previous positions got you yeah that's beautiful that's amazing I'm just thinking thinking yeah i'm just thinking you know i'm taking i'm taking it all in that was you know a moment of pause to take it all in everything that you were saying and you know what's being downloaded in myself right now because you know we want to make sure that we are you know helping people you know and as we on this journey to get to the next phase and as things change you know it's almost like even though you know, other people are listening to this, you know, sometimes I go back and I listen to it and it's like so many keys and clues from old podcasts that we've done. Yep. I said, oh, okay, I remember that. I we remember when he said it. that, okay, I, I, yeah, I need to get back we to doing that right that. there. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so Will, how about, um, we were, we were talking offline about, uh, finances and Mm -hmm. moving to the next level as you, as you're getting ready to and thinking about your finances, what are some of the, like, if we look at like a SWOT analysis, would you say that finances are a strength, a weakness for you? What are some opportunities that you have around finances? And like, what are some of the threats that you can like, just, just as we, if we pick one topic to just really dissect quickly. Mm -hmm. Well, my strength in finances is that I'm, you know, I'm, I'm pretty good at the organization and putting things away, you know, whether it's in a savings account or, you know, thinking three to four months ahead of what I can possibly, uh, that will come up, you know, so like I always pay my car note, you know, too much in advance, you know, just in case I hit, you know, a bump, at least I know I got that taken care of, mm-hmm. you know, some opportunities, you know, what the finance will be. You know, since I'm so diligent and I'm such a good steward over what God has given me, you know, I, I when I get another job or, you know, or something else happens, you know, I know exactly how to manage it and where to put it. 
So now I'm getting and another opportunity is I met a, I met a guy who does well in the stock market. You know, like super, like extremely well. Where this is like gonna blow your mind how much money he makes in the stock market. You know, but um, you know, me being diligent over what I have right now, you know, I got some money that I can play with. Mm-hmm. And if I and if and if it was to uh, you know get lost in there, that's okay because it's play money. You know okay. what I mean? Okay. So that. So, but you so can invest. A, you uh, can invest some money. This is what you're saying. You, you can, yeah. You can you can invest some money. Uh, some threats is just sit your money in a regular, you know, Bank of America, Chase, Wells Fargo, whatever. It's not going to grow. Okay. You know, you know, you got to put the money somewhere else that it can start to grow overnight. You know, Jeff Bezos goes to sleep. You know what I mean? And Amazon is, is, you know, getting sales left and left, right. You know, he just bought the most expensive property in Los Angeles for $165 million, you know? So his money is growing overnight. He's found a way to, when he's sleeping, you know, he's cha-ching, 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 cha-ching. So we have to, uh, you know, use an opportunity is to diversify, diversify your portfolio. So all these little things that, I, you know, I'm learning and as I'm going and, you know, I've mastered, you know, the 10,000 air. You know what I'm saying? I've mastered that. Okay. You know what I'm saying? You know, I'm at a place where a hundred dollars is like a dollar. Okay. You know what I mean? I wow. wasn't there. I wasn't, I wasn't, I wasn't there before, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, I've mastered that. Now I'm getting ready to enter into, you know, the hundreds and the three hundreds, the, you know, the half a meals and, you know, the million, you know, so then I'll have to, you know, m- you know, work that and manage that. And then after that, you got to go get somebody, you know, when you're in the 10 millions, you know, a hundred millions, the Jay-Z numbers, you know, yeah. <laughs> you know, when you go on platinum, you know, so I'm, I'm excited. I think that's an opportunity too. It's just excited to be able to create more things. You know, um, another opportunity with finances is, you know, I'll get to see you more, you know, the podcast gets better. We have better merch. You know, we yeah. can travel with it. Yeah. You know, we can do a lot more things. Money is just a tool. You know, money is meant to work for you. You can't chase money. Money is supposed to chase you. So, um, so that's kind of like where I'm at with the, with the finance tip. Okay. So something something that I wanted to share with you is that I, I, as you've been talking, I've also been thinking about it. So when we look at strengths, weaknesses, those are internal opportunities and threats are things that are external to you. So opportunities are things like investments. Um, the podcast is definitely an opportunity. Um, anything that has to do with your church, or if you wanted to start giving some of your finances to, uh, charitable causes, donating things Mm -hmm. of that nature, threats for you that I can see are, uh, things like houses, like houses that, that are, that are, that not, not necessarily buying a house, but maybe having a house that has like, if you buy a house that has like issues with it, um, having a car that has high maintenance issues, those are like threats to your finances external to you. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. people that are around you that might take advantage of you because of the money that you have, those are threats. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. Other than that, it's it's kind of just as we were talking about a SWOT analysis around finances. So like these are the kind of things when we think about like leveling up and in the meantime. So you look at the things, excuse me, you look at the things that you're good at 
in terms of your strengths. You try to mitigate your weaknesses, the things that you aren't as good at. And you're just like, okay, I need to work on these things. Really emphasize your opportunities. Like we do the podcast all the time. You pretty heavily involved with your church. You know, you also are, it looks like you're, you know, sort of curious about other investment opportunities and you're looking into those things. That's awesome. And then you just want to make sure that you identify and understand your threats. So it's like, cause these are the things that will help us get to the next level, you know, as an analysis, as an analysis tool. And it's like, we were just talking about finances, but we could talk about, um, your body. Like for you, your body is an asset. It's a part of like how you get work. Not all the time, but it plays into the, so it's like, what are your strengths? What are your weaknesses? All right, well, Will's got good shoulders and good feet. You know what I'm saying? What are his weaknesses? All right, he's still he's still working on the six-pack. What are his opportunities? He goes to the gym. He's about getting up early. What are the threats? I don't know. How close is a donut shop to your house? Do you, are you a, are you a sucker for some ice cream? I mean, like, do you like alcohol? Like these are, and, and for, for people to sort of take the SWOT analysis and think about it in all these different aspects of, of whatever they're trying to get into or, or whatever they're thinking about leveling up in, it's, it's just another tool that you can use to sort of try to pick, not only to understand what you're good at, but understand what you can get better at to move up. As my dad would say, I like that. I like that. <laughs> that's why analysis is a good thing. I like that. I like that. I like how you put that together because that's true. Thanks. You know, and it gives you, uh, it gives you, um, you know, uh, data. It's something good that, yeah. that for people to write down. It's like, uh, the, yeah. the, it's a quadrant. So if you take a square mm -hmm. and then you, you draw a line straight down the square and then you draw a line in the middle and you create four squares, and you put your strengths mm -hmm. in the top left, your weaknesses in the top right, your opportunities in the bottom left, and then your threats in the bottom right, and you write it out. I think for people that are listening to this, people that are in the meantime, it's like we have to take a moment and really write down what our strengths are. And then, mm -hmm. and then reflect on that. And then write down what our weaknesses are and reflect on that. We all have weaknesses. And I think that it's it's really fitting that when you go for a job interview, it's one of those questions that they ask. It's like, what are your strengths and what are your weaknesses? And it's less about what your answer is. And it's more about answering the question to the employer or whoever is asking the question. It, it kind of lets them know how much time you really spent analyzing yourself and knowing who you are like understanding yourself it's one of those mm -hmm. questions to sort of dig in to sort of figure out how well do you know yourself are you going to just say oh well i'm a hard worker and that's a strength but it's also a weakness or are you really going to be you know honest about it and be like oh well i don't always speak in the right tone or sometimes i get really excited when i think i know what the answer is like there's there's understanding it and there's truly understanding it does that make sense? Yeah, that makes perfect sense. You know, you um, you know, I always say this thing: life has a scale, and you got to weigh yourself. You know, so you're using the SWOT analysis to weigh yourself: what's your strengths, what's your weaknesses, what's the opportunities, what's the threat. You know, because sometimes we go to bed at night and we never weighed ourselves throughout the day. How much weight did you lose in life today? You know, what did you gain in life today? You know, so 
putting ourselves on that scale and then you have, like I said, data. It gives you data to choose from, just like the sports analysis. You know, they can say, well, Zion jumps this high because they collected that data mm-hmm. from his strength, his weaknesses, and how he moves his body, you know, his height. You know, this gives you uh, a, a clear direction of how to get to that next level. You know, it's just like, you know, you, you've ran marathons right there. I ran a few marathons in my in my younger days. <laughs> in your younger days, you ran a few marathons. So even training for a marathon, you have to work on certain things to sustain yourself for that time that you're trying to reach. Correct. You know, because like, what's the longest you ran? 26.2 miles. So 26, so to run 26.2 miles, break that down for us. What are you doing on your day to day? Um, the first year I didn't have a training plan, but the second year and the third year, I found a training plan online. It was like maybe a five or a six month training plan. And it, it told me when to run and when to rest. And it was really on myself to hold myself accountable to run. I think the first week it's like you run one mile, three days. And then on the, on the fifth day you run three miles and then the next week you go from three miles to five miles and then you go from like five to eight and then 10 to 12 and then you go back to eight and then you go up to 14 and then like you just train and you just taper and train and run and stretch and wake up early and yeah you do that for six months and then the big day comes and then it pours down rain or it (laughs) it is like some sub-zero winds blowing by when you're running the marathon but that's the i mean a a marathon is so much of the build-up to the actual event it's like when you actually get to the event you've done all of the work all of the heavy lifting is really behind you you ran 21 miles you ran 13 miles you ran 18 miles you did so many miles leading up to 26.2 so it's like if you think about training for a marathon you probably run 500 miles to train for to train for 26.2 and what you're doing over that whole period of time is you're callousing your mind you're building up the strength in your legs but you're also building up your pain tolerance and your your threshold that you that you can withstand pain because it's like at least the training program that i went on it was like hey since the race day you're going to run 26.2 you know like maybe two or three weeks before the end of the training program it's like okay the longest run you're going to go on is like a 22 mile run because Mm-hmm. The wall, the, the wall is when you you're running, and there and there comes a point in the race when you're just gonna you want to quit, and you have to break through the wall to get to the next the next stage or the next level. So it, most marathon folks think the wall is like either mile 21 or before that. So if you can run up to 22 while you're training, when you get to race day, you know you'll have run 20 two miles and you'll be like okay all I have left is four miles all I have left is three miles you know and even that's what you're doing on race day is that like okay here's the first mile I got 25 left here's the second mile I got 24 left but the point that I'm making is is that as you run and you train for a marathon you're callousing your mind and you're getting your body prepared for just one day of this like all-out assault and then you come out on the other end of it and it's for me like the physical stuff it 
you know, everything heals. But for me, there's such a mental toughness that came out of it for me to run a marathon that like, that's something that's really important to me in the journey of like getting to Nike and being able to run a marathon and having the sort of the mental toughness to, to, to push past what I, there were so many days on the, on the day of the marathon that I told myself that I was going to quit like mile five, mile 10, mile 13, mile 14, you know, like all these different things. And I, and I finished three times and yeah, man, uh, that's, and, and it's like, we talk about these kind of things and I, I don't understand exactly how to explain it sometimes because it just happens and it's, and there's so many other things that led up to, you know, like let's, let's just back up a little bit. When I first moved to LA, um, I lived in a house with like six other guys. One of them was a personal trainer. He was going to school for physical therapy and he lived right below me. So when I would wake up in the morning, I would wake him up and if he ever needed something, he could just bang on the ceiling and he would wake me up. And in we had a garage that had a gym in it. So we quickly became workout buddies. And we started waking up at 7. And then we started getting up at 6.30 and then 6 and then 5 and then 5.30. And we s- slowly creeped our way back to just waking up and working out in the garage. Well, I had an accountability partner and he lived right below me. So it it, it I developed not only the the want to go to the gym but the timing to get up and go to the gym so we would we worked out for probably that first year and then i was like i want to run a marathon and he was like okay i'll help train you so then we started running together and all of that running sort of led me to explore west la and palms where i lived at the time and i really enjoyed running and getting out in california running in anywhere other than Southern California. I don't, I don't know what that's like. I I just love running in Southern California. So I did that. And then I ran the race and I, after I ran the first marathon, I was like, I want to do better than I did the first time. So I sort of started that whole training program all over again. I got a little better with it. And then the second year that I ran it, it poured down rain the entire race. My socks were, were soaking wet after, even before I ran the race, I was just completely wet, soaked. So then I told myself, I was like, okay, I'm going to run it a third year. And the third year I did the same thing, had a training plan, put everything together, rock and rolled. And then the day of the race, it was just cold and it was cold and it was windy. And it was like March. It was like the, maybe the middle of March, but it just like, wasn't really expecting it, but I still finished and I had a really good time and I enjoyed running a marathon. And that's a story that I hope somebody can take something from to sort of help them move forward. I think everybody should run a marathon. Like there's all these things that I think everybody should do. Travel the world, run a marathon, I don't know, play the piano, tie a bow tie, learn how to make some, cook something really good. You know what I'm saying? Is there anything else, Will? Nah, you, I mean, you kind of, I'm trying to think what someone else might should do, uh, shoot a free throw. (laughs) (laughs) definitely shoot a free throw in your life so what are your thoughts from like just my whole marathon talk there there's life man you know it's more mental than it is physical you know and you know just like the great nipsey hustle said the marathon continues you know it's it's a journey it's a marathon 
sometimes it's not so much about, you know, as we talk about the next level, you know, because there'll be a next level, then a next level after that, and a level after that, and a level after that, you know, but it's the, it's the marathon, it's the journey, you know, and each marathon you did, you did three, and you learned something that you can take with you that nobody can take away from you. So when someone's getting ready to give up because they're on that 25th mile, you remember, I did this already. You know, I ran 25. So when they give up at 25, you already at the 26. Because you, you've been there and you've done it. You've been in those deep waters. You know, that's the great John Jones would say about, about Reyes. You know, don't blame, don't blame John Jones or the, let me say, don't blame the judges. Blame his conditioning coach. Hmm. Because when he got in those deep waters, he was tired. You know, but John Jones been in those deep waters before. He'd been hit. He'd been, you know, dirt tired, you know. But his conditioning, you know, helps him in those championship rounds. You know, so that's what we're doing in the meantime. We're training for the championship rounds, you know. Stonecutters podcast, Aaron Hankins. Will Catley. We out.